Click, click, boom! What's going on, faithfuls? The Nothing But Niners crew is back. We're here to bring you guys more Midnight Madness. No, madness. more Madness than Midnight. I don't know what it is. Midnight, Midnight, Midnight. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there, right there. Probably what's what <laughs> the formalities are up on the screen, guys. Make sure you guys go and give us follows on all the appropriate avenues. I'm your guy, 49ers Mike underscore NFL. And to my left tonight is my guy, Brian Stater underscore Niner. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm all right. I got to go out and have a nice uh, Japanese steakhouse hibachi dinner with the family. Um, just something a little different. Get away from right now with the fires being as big as they are. Uh, the little town I live in is just saturated with smoke. So the air quality sucks right now. Oh, man. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Glad you guys got the chance to go out, though. Yeah. And, uh, you know, kind of get away from some of the fray. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and get started here. Uh, as usual, we're going to go with the on Twitter today segment here. Uh, I got a couple of photos to share with you guys. And there is a topic that I think we'll probably get asked about, but I did not plan on discussing this. Yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't pertain to the 49ers. Yeah. And it's not. Honestly, it's not much to actually discuss on it. So yeah, right. uh, here we go. We're going to start with uh, Nigel McWilliams. He quote, I mean, he tweets, I'm excited to share that I will be relocating to sunny California to take on the position of social media producer for the 49ers. I'm so grateful to J&M Tank Lines for the opportunity and someone else for seven amazing years. Thank you, God, for this opportunity. Hashtag a boy from Selma. This is pretty cool, man. Uh, it looks like we're going to have some new flavor on our social medias. And I, for one, am all for it. I have sat around for a couple of years envious of how I see team social media handles snapping back at each other and all that and playful banter. And the Niners don't really participate in it. Uh, so I'm hoping that maybe we get some of that here. Now, he could be coming in and just doing more of the same. I don't know, but I'm looking forward to whatever changes it could be. Right. It needs to be something like whoever runs Wendy's. Uh, yeah, media. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they they get after it. You know what I'm saying? I like <laughs> I like seeing that kind of stuff. I think the Panthers have a well run um, social media team as well. Uh, they, uh, some, well, not anymore. But before COVID, some airlines were even getting busy uh, snapping back and forth with each other and stuff like that. And I just right. like that. Yeah. You know, if the teams are going to be competitive, you as social media can be competitive as well. So I'm hoping to see some of that. Okay, absolutely. Uh, another thing that we got here on, on Twitter today, I saw it today. Uh, this is from our own NY to the Bay. Cool Mike. So John Middlecoff posted, uh, damn, I got to get rid of the banner so we can see it. He says, um, Denver is buzzing. And then this picture of Kyle Shanahan at the all-star game is quote tweeted with it. And this picture just blew up and did numbers. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, I saw it on, I believe, our SF 49ers or one of those like 49ers uh, fan pages that has thousands and thousands of followers. And it said hat tip to NY to the Bay. And I was like, oh, let's get my man some some shine here. Uh, Mike Rose runs out a couple of our social media pages for us. Uh, he, he does a lot on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. So uh, shout out to Mike, you know. Blowing up over there. I like that, man. That's our, that's our guy, nice. Mike. Yep. That's what, that was really cool to see from Mike here. And then uh, last but not least on Twitter today, ex-49ers wide receiver Jordan Matthews working out with George Kittle as he converts to tight end. Now, the reason I thought this was interesting and worth some discussion is because 
we sat here and said, hell no, Tebow shouldn't be going. He's not a real tight end. <laughs> and now I got to eat those words, man. It's, it's time to eat some crow. I mean, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I, I heard that he put on some weight this offseason, like 15 to 20 pounds. And well, I saw him step on a scale. It was 230-something. 230-point-something was what it looked like was on the on the scale. It was kind of at an angle, so it was, you couldn't necessarily make it out definitively. But what I saw, it looked like he was about 230. Um I'm not sure what he was when he played for us. Uh, right. Had to be hovering around that 200 mark. Um, so hopefully that's all good weight. You know, as far as you know, him getting an invite versus Tebow getting an invite. You know, that, that's up to George Kittle and the tight end university people. <laughs> so, well, you know what I thought was interesting about that is um, George Kittle came out and was talking about why they didn't invite Tebow. And one of the things was we didn't have enough space. And we wanted to give it to people who were tight ends and da 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 da. Right? We had right. 20. 40 and we were sponsoring and paying for everything. So we were careful with our selections. And we know that uh, some of his former teammates who are now with the Giants uh, made it to the, the tight end university. I'm wondering if this is a um, a coordinated, non-coordinated by the team thing, like one of those off the books, like, hey, we might be bringing in Jordan to see if he can play tight end for us this year. Why don't you get him over there? What do you think about something like that possibly being I wouldn't put it past the team to have talked to George about that at all. And then, you know, George follows suit to hook up the team. I mean, obviously, you know, Jordan Matthews been on and off this roster a couple of times, uh, you know, and just can't find, seem to find footing as a wide receiver. So, you know, if he can bulk up and be decent at tight end, it might be something they're looking for. You know, you always want those receiving tight end weapons. So another thing that ties into the Niners, uh, he was catching passes at Trey Lance's pro day. I believe that was him. That wasn't. That was one of the 49ers ex receivers. I'm pretty sure it was Jordan Matthews. Um, so you start working on some rapport with the guy before we even draft him. Now you're at the tight end university, and I mean, I don't know, man. It could be a good look. I know that I we were talking about the tight end position being a little thin this year. Yeah. Uh, this could be a good pass catching tight end to add to the mix. So uh, just something to keep in mind there. Okay. Uh, so let's go ahead and get to your questions here. Um, we're going to start with our guy, Nick. All right. So he has here, uh, what's on your bucket list for places to travel? What's your number one and why? And Brian, Hawaii doesn't <laughs> count. All right. So he, he's been paying attention. He knows well about your, your love for Hawaii, but not, yep. I, I, not today, buddy. Um, you've traveled the world already. So there's, uh, is there somewhere, I'm going to change it up a little bit. There's sure. somewhere that you haven't gone that you want to go. I figured you were going to say something like that. So there actually is a place in the world that I have not been to that I would love to see, and that's Tibet, Nepal. Stand at base camp. I don't want to climb Everest, but I would love to be in the presence of that mountain and the people that are willing to give up their lives to do that. Um, it's something that's always fascinated me, fascinated me uh, just Mount Everest in general, but um, – you know, the, the the will strength and the mentality that it takes to be like, I'm putting my life on the line to climb up a hill or a mountain, whatever, for, you know, whatever drives them to do that. It's just amazing. And, uh, you know, it just seems like such a spiritual place at the base camp there, even though it's all trash from all these people going there on these tours and stuff. Um, yeah. But just to go and, you know, get to, to visit some of that area in Tibet, I think would be amazing. Nepal area, the whole thing. Yeah, uh, I think the top of my list, it's all right. So as an individual, the top of my list is probably um, Rock of Gibraltar. I've always been fascinated with this. Um, I read that, you know, the, the mountain itself 
uh, has all these secret tunnels that uh, kings would hide in when their cities were under siege. And so I can um, I just I can't imagine what the inside of this place looks like if it was supposed to be fit for a king to hide out in there for months and years at a time. So I just I would really really want to see what the inside of this mountain looks like. Uh, I, as a kid, I was always fascinated with tunnels and mountains, uh, caves and stuff like that. So uh, imagine one that was done up and supposed to be fit for a king. Right? And and you get to play with all the monkeys that won't leave you alone while you're there too. <laughs> There's monkeys in, at the Rock of Gibraltar. Yeah, that whole area has got a huge um, in Gibraltar as you come in. Yeah, so. Um, they, they have, uh, I don't know what kind of monkeys they are. They're not like chimps. They're like a smaller, not like capuchin, but probably a bigger version of a capuchin monkey. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But they're, they're like terrible. They, they will take, because that would actually terrify me. It's against the law to like deal with them, but obviously monkeys don't follow the law. So they screw with the tourists who are there. <laughs> yeah. That, that would actually scare the shit out of me. I'm not going to lie because uh, just too many of any kind of animal that's not afraid to approach you terrifies me. I right. don't care if it's a herd of deer. Uh, it, it, anytime an animal approaches a human, I'm like, you guys should be careful. Something's up here. And so uh, I've seen people visiting uh, different places and animal, they're feeding the wildlife and the lizards and stuff. And all of a sudden there's hundreds of them just coming because it's like, oh, they sent the signal up. There's something good here. And then all of a sudden, like, crap, we messed up. So I can't imagine what that's like. Um, but yeah, as a couple, um, our bucket list uh, place, we want to see the Northern Lights. Um, now, you can go they're, north to see them. You can go south to see them as well, but it's something that we, we wanted to see. What'd you say? I said they're beautiful. Oh, you've seen it. See, this guy. This I got guy. to travel. Well, my first port on, in a submarine was going, we got to go to Norway. So it just so happened that I got to, it was just circumstances, you know? Yeah. I didn't go yeah. out of my way. The Navy made me go there. <laughs> I got you. All right. It's all good. All right. Danny is the first comment in the chat tonight. Oh. Right now, we created the room a little later than normal, so it might be. Oh, wait, you see something before that? No, no, no. I was gonna say real quick uh, when you think about things like that, the first time when I went to Australia and I saw the Southern Cross and the sky is completely different with the stars, that kind of messes with your mind because you look up and the sky that you've been looking at for how many ever years you've been alive before that is completely different in the Southern Hemisphere different than everything you've seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's got it's got to be an incredible thing, you know, just traveling outside of the norm. And, and getting to experience stuff. I mean, look, the, the sky fascinates me when I go down south and there's not all the industrial plants and stuff. I'm, I'm here in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, so it's Smog City. And on a good night, you can see some nice stars out here. But down south, it is completely different. Right. Uh, so I can only imagine what it's like in other places. Uh, I've always also wanted to go to Rio to, in front of the big, uh, the, Jesus. I think that's supposed to be Christ, right? Is that, is that big Christ? Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, I think that's amazing. Like that thing looks huge in pictures, and I have no idea how big it really is. Right. So it just it just looks incredible. Well, I've never uh, had Danny, never had the opportunity to see that, but I you know I've been to Rushmore and you see it in the pictures and it seems huge. But when you get to Rushmore and you're standing at the platform and you're looking up there, it's so far away from where you're actually standing. It looks tiny. It's like uh, yeah, this doesn't look anything like what I thought it was right. supposed to look. It's almost like. it's almost like the first time I saw the Hollywood sign. I'm yeah. like that's it. Yep. Like they, they make this thing look so big on television and the, the angles that they get from the helicopters. And it's like, that's it? Like, this is what I've been looking at as a kid? Like, it, it was kind of nuts. So I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, Danny Albright jumps in here. He says, is Jimmy G going to be like Brock Osweiler, get a nice payday, then out of the league in a couple of years? So from my standpoint, I think if 
if Jimmy can turn his health situation around and put string a couple of years together where he's actually healthy, I think he'll have a long career in the NFL. Um, but if he continues to be plagued by injuries, then absolutely. I think this was his big payday and he's not going to have much more to go on from there. All right. Um, I'm going to say, no, Jimmy's not going to be like Brock Osweiler. I don't think Brock ever had the success Jimmy had. I'll be uh, as limited as it is. And I don't think Brock had the winning record that Jimmy has either. And uh, if you can win in the NFL, uh, we saw it with Tebow, as long as you find ways to win, teams will continue to give you chances. And so until Jimmy proves that he can't win, like you said, if he's on the field and he's available, yeah. as long as he's finding ways to win, I think teams will continue to give him chances. So uh, I don't think he's going to have a career like Osweiler. All right. Uh, here we go. Thoughts on lemon cheesecake, moose. Uh, I don't care what it is. If it's got lemon in it, almost anything, I'll eat it. <laughs> I love lemon. I didn't know that about you. I learned something new right now. Um, I I don't know. Lemon cheesecake. I try it. I like cheesecake I, for the most part. I don't like chocolate cheesecake, but I like cheesecake for the most part. Uh, mousse, I'm assuming. It me I mean, that's a creamier. Cream, yeah. Uh, I mean, I would, I would assume that's what he's talking about. Creamier version. So I'm, I don't know. I don't know. We'll try it. Or maybe uh, it's the, the topping that you're putting on one of those. Yeah. And he cheats with the double up here yep. instead of putting it all in one strawberry mousse or, or cherry mousse. And I'm going to go with strawberry over cherry uh, all day. Yep. All day long. Strawberry for me too. All right. So check this out right now. This is funny. So Danny says Chinese food or Mexican, but I'm going to show you why this is funny because we actually have. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred. <laughs> So, yeah, Alfred's chiming in again. Uh, great minds think alike here, fellas. So we're going to credit you both with that question here. Uh, if you could pick from the three, he's given us three, uh, Mexican, Chinese, or Indian. Which one are you taking? And then if you had to just choose between the two, which one would you take? So um, so I'm all about the Asian food. Um, however, if you're going to limit it to only Chinese food, if it, if you're talking about American Chinese food versus American Mexican food, I'm going to take American Mexican food all day long. All right. Um, Indian food is not bad, actually. I, I kind of like Indian food, so I think I'm going to go with Indian food. I like it, but it's just not my favorite of the three. I, although I will say this. If I had to choose just one for like a, a dinner, it would be the Indian food. If it was something I had to eat all the time, I would probably go with Chinese food. Just because I'm more familiar with it and I can switch up my my uh my little uh you know i know how to switch it up a little bit more there right uh, dj malone uh who's your favorite defensive addition of the offseason let's start there um so can can i answer this with a caveat all right here we go let's see well i really like sosa if board if ford is going to be not available or limited availability but if Ford is available and Sosa is relegated to a backup position or a rotational position, my favorite, even though it'll be the same, is going to be Kerr. That's interesting because I think if Ford is available, it improves Sosa. Right. Really I'm, just, I'm not saying that it won't improve him. I just think that bringing him in here, if he's not available to replace Ford, then that becomes my favorite because you have to have a bookend. You know, that was – you know, with with having Bosa on one side, you got to have somebody who can rush on the other side. You know, obviously, but um, and I think that that was a great pickup for that need with not having Ford available and Hyder going somewhere else uh, to Seattle. And so I, you know, I like that pick. But if Ford is available and you're going to use Sosa less, then I think that I like Kerr 
is my my favorite my favorite uh, acquisition this offseason. Right. I'm going to have to go with uh, my favorite so far is Ambry Thomas, believe it or not. Um, I think that secondary is going to get a nice boost from this kid. Uh, it might not be this year, but I think it's going to be a good one. I wasn't uh, even thinking the draft, so, yeah, good call. Yeah. Um, he says, could Sosa be used as an emergency linebacker? Well, yeah. I mean, he was kind of in that position in, with the Rams, right? Didn't he play in the linebacking role? Yeah. Yeah. So, so absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you know um, how, you know how this team loves its versatility. So that's you know definitely a possibility. And then he asked here, have you guys ever had chocolate peanut butter balls before? Entered South Park joke here. Salty balls, salty chocolate balls. <laughs> Gotta go with him. Uh yes, I have had them. I don't know if I have. Um I imagine it would be good the chocolate peanut butter. Yeah. Uh, is a can't miss. Uh, there's wait, I think we have some cereals like that. Oh no, it's just Reese's, but there's two different ones. There's a peanut butter one and then there's chocolate ones inside the Reese's cereal. So I imagine it will be good. I can't say for sure I've ever had the ball. We always used to get them sent in care packages out to the boat, you know, when we were out gone wherever. But they you know, sometimes they'd be have they'd have the alcohol inside of them and stuff like that too. Nice alcohol. Okay. You guys getting fancy. Uh link. <laughs> 1879. Thanks for writing this again. I saw this on a couple of shows ago and we just didn't get to it. So I'm glad that he was able to get it in this time. Uh, he says, uh, just like Voltron, if you could build the perfect quarterback from head, thought process, arm, body, and legs, uh, who would be the players in the part? Players, who would be, who would that be? Players from past and present. Uh, what would his name and jersey number be? Okay. So we get to be very creative here, huh? Okay. Um, how about this? You pick a part and I'll pick another part and we'll do it that way instead of us building uh, it all separate. Okay. Um, so the way I'm reading this is we're kind of looking for a, um, the intelligence a, thought, of, a thought process uh, guy, a person, an, an arm guy, a footwork person, and a durability person, basically. Um, so I will say that for my feet, the scrambler is going to be Wilson. Okay. All right. I'm going to go straight to the head and I'm going to say Peyton Manning. I'm going to say Peyton Manning's intelligence, uh, UBIQ. Okay. Um, durability or body, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm interpreting the body as the durability portion of this. Um, I think, I think Eli Manning had the best or the longest streak um, the, the last one to have the longest streak of games without having any problems. So I'm going to go with Eli Manning. Okay. And then for arm, this is going to be one that no one's going to ever guess. If I gave you a hundred guesses, you wouldn't guess it, but I'm going to go with Jamarcus Russell's arm. All right. This Not guy, his body? No, God, no, <laughs> no, no, no. If you want a barrel of the body, then sure. Go for it. But this guy had an arm, like a, a, just a, a cannon for an arm. Uh, so I'm, Definitely going to go with Jamarcus Russell there. Um, and as far as uh, what would his number be or name and number, um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Make him number one. Well, it says who would be that player. So who best represents that player that we're building today or in the past? Oh, oh, oh that's easy for me. Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen has the ability to get there. I think that 
he's still too early in his career to be the to have the 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 thought process down at the top tier. You know, uh, I'm not saying he doesn't have a you know great ability to see what's going on in the field, but um, I think in a couple more years he'll be even better. Um, I'm actually going to say that Wilson, Russell Wilson, is that guy that kind of encapsulates. I mean, with his moon ball and his ability to run, and he's been in the league long enough that he can process and break down most defenses. Because um, if I was going to go with the head guy, I would say Brady, just because he's been in the league long enough to see everything. You know. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I think Brady benefited a lot from a system, though. I'm, yeah, I'm just saying, like he he's just seen so many different defenses and. 20 years of playing football that Which Alex Smith. Well, never mind. I mean, I'm not going to do all that. That's <laughs> fine. No, you're right. Uh, I would make him number one. And his name would be beast. I don't, I don't know. I, sure, I don't sounds know. Good to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he doubles up though. Link is back here. In your opinion, active players name three to five players. That's amazing in Kyle system, but average on another team. And I think we can start with our running back here. Always, yeah. I'm like, that's realistically. I think that, any running back that he's had can be amazing in Kyle's system and average on a different team. I don't know that he promotes wide receivers the same way. Like, I don't think there's a wide receiver that fits in Kyle's system that would just be mediocre somewhere else. That's not true. We had one here. Marquise Goodwin. He was really good in the system. And then he was nothing before, nothing yeah, after. Then he played for the Bills, right? Yeah. And he had like a total of 400 career yards. Oh, and then he came here and had had a thousand, so. uh, yeah, it was it was not good. Um, okay. Yeah, um, that's two players. Who else could we say? Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard. Well, at least him as a head coach. I mean, if you think about him as an offensive coordinator, maybe you could throw in some players from Atlanta or Washington, you know. RG3, RG3 did well in his system, and he didn't do well after he left. <laughs> Who was that? RG3. RG3. Yeah, that was a good one. And there was a receiver in Atlanta, uh, the little one. He was uh, the quick. Uh, Gabriel? Yes, Taylor Gabriel. Haven't seen him do much since he got away from Kyle Shanahan. True. And uh, he was, he was like, very sought after fo immediately following Kyle. So I'm going to go with Taylor Gabriel also. I think we got three to five out of that. Yep, so. four. Transformers, oh, favorite Transformers combiner. I can't answer this I question. Have I, no an I have no answer for that. <laughs> oh, damn, sorry, DJ. Sorry, man. Uh, who was your favorite rookie prospect? Uh, I, can, I guess I answered that already. And who was your underdog rookie you are rooting to make, rooting for to make the 53? So as far as rookie goes, uh, I'm most excited, like obviously Trey, but I mean, I think I'm most excited because he has the most ability to play is going to be Sermon um, just to see what he can bring to that running back room. And if he's able to do what we think he can do, how that will then in turn affect Mostert's ability to be more productive than he already has been. Right. Um, and then the underdog for me is probably going to be uh, Mitchell. All right. So um, favorite rookie prospect. I don't want to say Ambry Thomas again because I named him already. I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with uh, the offensive lineman uh, Aaron Banks. I'm gonna go with Aaron Banks. Uh, I think he's gonna have a pivotal role in this team very soon. And uh, underdog rookie to make the 53. So that kind of means someone who probably won't make it. 
And right now, the only rookie that I think likely won't make this team is uh, the safety. Um, oh, uh, what about our undrafted guys? Those are rookies, too. I didn't even think about them. It was like three of them, right? Wasn't it like two or three? Right. Uh, Hilliard, Sol Hilliard, Solomon, Sullivan, I think, right? Sullivan, Hilliard, and... The wide receiver. Yeah, I'm trying to find his... Uh, Watkins. Watkins. Watkins, yeah. Uh, but I see, I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm still gonna stick with the, the guy because he was drafted, but I just don't think he's gonna make the roster. So I'm gonna Ufunga. Yeah, I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna stick with Ufunga as my guy. Okay. Alan Uh, I think we have one more from our buddy Alfred. I think here we go. Favorite linebacker. Of all time on any team. Oh is man, Buckus. We have time to answer that question. I have to think too much for that. Mine is Patrick Willis. Still, I think Patrick Willis is the best linebacker I've ever seen play. And I know Ray Lewis did, and I know what Mike Singletary did, and Ron Rivera, and you know you got all uh, all Brian Brian Allacker and mm, I like Erlacker a lot. There's um, there's been a lot of good linebackers, so. But I'm going to stick yeah. with Patrick Willis. I just I'll just go with Erlocker because it was going to be between him and, and um, Ray. Yeah. So that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, all right. Okay. Terrell Cox, who was your first celebrity crush? Mine was Kelly Kapowski off Saved by the Bell. <laughs> uh, wow. Um, so I'm going to date myself here a little bit. Um, as far as my first actual crush, it was probably Donna Douglas, who was the uh, who was Ellie Mae in Clampets in the in the Beverly Hillbillies. But um, I think as far as someone who was my own age, I would have to go with Winnie Cooper off the Wonder Years. Uh, mine is going to be uh, some homage to a deceased young lady, uh, Myra, from Family Matters, Steve Urkel's girlfriend that mm -hmm. was not uh, Laura Winslow. Right. That young lady was just beautiful, and she was even an even better person uh, than what her looks uh, gave her. So I'm going to go with Myra as my first, uh, my first childhood celebrity crush. All right? Uh, DJ Malone says, "Do you guys have a favorite Cobra character from GI Joe?" I think Brian does. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, so it's going to be. Uh, I don't know if you guys will even remember him, but his name was Zartan. He was able to like change the colors of his skin, but he got to a point where basically he uh he brought on the dreadnoughts which was like this band of ruthless craziness and so you got these extra characters that were all part of his little gang or whatever so um and it broke away from that high screechy voice of cobra commander i didn't have to listen to that all the time when his parts of the episodes would come on i don't have a favorite uh so i'm sorry gi joe was a thing and it was big but gi joe came on in, in my house anyway it came on at four o'clock and grandma came home at 4.12 from work. And grandma took over the TV. So I can't even tell you that I watched a full episode of G.I. Joe. It's one of those things wow. where as a child, you don't pay attention to the clock. You pay attention to the programming that's on. So you right. know this show is coming on. It's time to do this. This well, show is coming on. This is what's happening. So when G.I. Joe really started. Either. Huh? So you weren't really in that window either. I mean, the heyday of G.I. Joe was from 85 to 91, yeah. maybe. 
<laughs> right, right. And so when GI Joe was coming on in my house, it was like crap. We got to hurry up and clean up because Grandma's going to be here any minute, type of thing. So that was uh, that's my experience with GI Joe. Uh, favorite Joe Montana moment with San Francisco. Then favorite right. Steve Young moment with San Francisco. All right, let's go. Let's go over there. So for me, the Montana moment. I think we've talked about it before. Um, when he points out John Candy in the stands, I think that was just, you know, bringing a little of, uh, you know, or easing the minds of the guys who are in the huddle, you know, you just take their thought process off of it a little bit. And that was just kind of cool. I don't really have one for Steve. Um, so, yeah, I don't have a favorite moment. For uh, so my favorite Joe Montana moment, that what you said is probably the top one for me. But uh, if I were to try to be a little different, uh, Joe Montana – this is going to sound crazy, right? Uh, but he took a hit. I don't I don't think it was his last hit. It wasn't a big hit. Uh, but he took a hit and he got injured. But it was the way he got up and went off the field uh, and, like, listening to the crowd, like, erupt that he was okay. Uh, those moments, regardless of what team, what sport, what player, when those things happen and, like, the whole – especially when you are in another team stadium and they have the respect to cheer that you got up and you're okay, I, I love when things like that happen. Uh, my favorite Steve Young moment is the run uh, where he like, oh, he's sacked. No, he gets away. He's he's in trouble. And then he like stumbles and bumbles all the way down the field for the touchdown. Uh, it was the sloppiest scramble I've ever seen in my life. And uh, that's probably my favorite Steve Young moment. Um, have you guys heard of the Borderlands video games? I have not. I have heard of the games. I have never played them and my kids don't play them. So I don't have any insight into it. Your favorite vegetable? This will probably be the last question. Yeah, we're running out of time. Um, I so I'm going to go with something that most people would have had, but then a different version of it. So, like, it's broccoli, but it's broccolini. It's when it's like in the baby form before it actually becomes like a stalk. Um, so you can harvest broccoli early, and it's more tender and more flavorful. I think. Um, gotcha. so broccolini is is my favorite vegetable. Corn. The corn count of the vegetable? It does. Sorry, I worked in a cannery when I was a kid, and I will never, I can't even stand the smell of corn. What? Yep. Do you eat popcorn? I do eat popcorn, but that's different because it's got butter and salt on it. It doesn't smell like corn. Yeah. Oh, look at you, man. You poor, you poor guy. Oh. No, it's, it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> It's yep. fine. It's all right. All right. I think that's going to do it for us tonight, guys. Thank you all for rocking out with us. 31 minutes in the books here. Uh, I got nothing to say. Brian, let's go home, man. Mahalo. Aloha. <laughs>